0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dongfang Hour China Aerospace and Space News Roundup. This for the week of 8th to 14th of February, 2021. First of all, a happy Chinese New Year. Uh, Welcoming to the Year of the Ox. Uh, This is a couple of days after Chinese New Year's Day. It's been a quiet several days in in the industry, but uh, nonetheless, a happy Chinese New Year to everyone also, a happy Valentine's Day to those who are observing uh, this day in uh, more in the West, I suppose. Before jumping into our news updates, just a special shout out to our close friends at GoTygonauts and at SpaceWatch.Global, two excellent sources for space industry news. This week, we're going to bring updates regarding an Asia New Space Report published by the European Space Policy Institute updates on the Chinese New Year gala and the uh, the relevance for the space industry. But first, Jean is going to give us some updates on the Tianwen-1 Mars mission.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to welcome you aboard the Zhongfeng L. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened. Thank you. <laughs>
0: John, take it away with Tianwen-1.
1: Thank you, Blaine. Um, And a happy new Chinese New Year to all our listeners. Definitely, I think the highlight of last week was the news about Tianwen-1, which successfully inserted itself into Martian orbit after traveling just hundreds of millions of kilometers between Earth and Mars. Um, So what it did basically was fire its main thrust engine of 3000 Newtons during approximately 15 minutes, slowing it down sufficiently to be captured by the gravitational field. Um, of Mars. And now um, while this is still, we're still in the very first, the very early stages of the Tianwen-1 mission, I mean, just arrived at Mars. um, But it's already a historical moment for China because it is making China the sixth country um, to ever put an orbiter around Mars in, in Martian orbit after obviously the US, Russia, Europe as a whole. We also had India and we have the UAE. And the UAE actually. Uh, Martian insertion maneuver just took place a couple days ago with the Hope mission, and all of this is also a couple days before um, the U.S. Mars Twenty Twenty mission arrives at Mars. Now, admittedly, the Mars Twenty Twenty mission won't be putting anything into orbit around Mars, as it's um, there's no orbiter component to the Mars Twenty Twenty mission. It's just directly landing on Mars with the uh, Perseverance. Um, rover. So 1011 now is in a very elliptical orbit. It will stay there a couple of months. Initially, it was announced that it would stay two, three months in what is called an observational or reconnaissance uh, period, where it will be taking multiple pictures of the landing sites. But uh, in the latest publication that we see uh, from CASC last week, we realized that now they're talking about May or June for the landing phase. So the reconna- reconnaissance phase will take probably more like three, four months. We don't know why there is this delay, but um, it's not time that's lost by 10:11 because all the instruments on board the orbiter, there are seven, such as uh, cameras, spectrometers, magnetometers, and there are also others. Um, they have all been switched on and are already gathering a lot of scientific data on Mars. And perhaps last point last point of interest here, we also got some fantastic footage from the CNSA during this um, insertion maneuver. So we normally have two footages. Uh, there's a camera that was locked on the solar panel and there's another camera that was locked on the, um, the back of the high gain antenna. And on both videos, what you see is obviously the different parts of the Tianwen-1 spacecraft. But um, slowly, slowly, progressively, you see uh, Mars uh, loom into the field of view of the camera. And initially, Mars is a little bit overexposed, so you just see this basically a white sphere. But as the exposure is adapted, you start to see all the, really very clearly, the details of uh, the Martian surface features. And I think you even see a little bit the Martian atmosphere. So that's that's definitely very, very interesting to see. And I think that... um, you also see all vibrations that were said to be linked to the um, firing of the main thruster uh, making the whole um, well the whole 101 spacecraft uh, shake a little bit. So definitely again, we're getting um, over the next few months, it's going to be very exciting for those that are uh, a big fan of Mars Martian videos and, and, and pictures and definitely in higher resolution than how it was done um, in the past
0: which transitions nicely into my takeaway from the TN11 updates this week. Uh, This is related to the content, not the thrusters. So this idea that um, I I suspect over these next few months or or let's say six months even, um, we have these several different Mars missions that as you mentioned are are, um, approaching the red planet now. And we also have now um, a lot of people that are still on lockdown and who are doing more and more things online. And uh, this is being combined I think with increasing uh political polarization in certain countries certainly in the us i've, I've been discouraged by, by that and i think that people are looking for um things to be inspired by and things that are you know non non-politicized and and things that are ultimately uh you know hopeful if i can borrow a, a phrase from the uae's mission and, and so I do think that we're going to really um, potentially see, um, you know, if not mass adoption of, of people watching live space industry, you know, news feed related uh, things. I mean, that, that would be probably unlikely. But but I think we're going to see more and more people, um, you know, getting interested in these Mars missions and then in space more generally, because I think that, um, as you said, we're 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 starting to see more. Um, amazing things come from these missions. I mean, just incredible footage and, and incredible scientific discoveries and, and just really inspirational stuff. And and as you also mentioned, um these missions are are you know, there there's there's some there's some mileage to them, if you will. You know, we that we, we are being kept uh, waiting in certain instances and there's some plot twists and etc. So I think we're going to see um, hopefully sustained interest, let's say, by the, if not the general public, by you know a, a larger percentage of the public than has previously been the case. Um, so yeah, great, great stuff. Really good news. Uh, anything else, John, on, on TN11 this week, or are we good to, to go into the uh, the SB report? All good. Excellent. So um, our second piece of news from the week, not necessarily China-specific, but we have... Um, A report published by the European Space Policy Institute, uh, so SP based out of Vienna, um, entitled New Space in Asia. And uh, we bring up this report for a couple of different reasons. So for uh, the slightly selfish reason that uh, the both of the the Dongfang Hour uh, co-hosts John and I were, were contributing authors for the China <laughs> chapter, um, along with our excellent friends at Gotikonatsa. Uh, so Jacqueline uh, Jacqueline Mira and Chen Lan, uh, two of the most uh, foremost experts on, on the Chinese space industry. The, the most foremost, indeed. That's um, they'll have to put that in their CVs. That they're the most foremost. Anyway, digressing. Um, really interesting report. Very lengthy, 128 pages. I have not had time to dig into all of it, but I certainly uh, know about 20 or 25 pages. Quite Quite well having contributed to, to the china section um but notably so we have a couple of different um major sections so there's a there's sort of the, the big three as sb characterizes them so that would be japan china and india these are the three kind of largest new space industries in asia and each of these three have a pretty in-depth chapter uh, all of these chapters are written I, w- I would say by by experts in the respective industries so the indian chapter is written i believe primarily by um uh, naranya prasad i believe his name is he's uh, from uh um, Indian new space sort of uh, company. That there's a few other um, chapters written by by similarly uh, you know expert people in, in their in their markets. Um, I would say from a kind of big picture perspective, this report is quite significant because I think as space is becoming a bigger topic globally, um, this is occurring while the center of economic growth is continuing to shift from west to east so the u.s and, and the european union remain you know, very very large economies and very advanced uh, space industries but um, i would say for the next 50 or 100 years it seems likely that the the faster regions of growth more generally are going to be in, in the sort of developing world and in asia um, and therefore as space becomes a bigger thing it, it's probable that we're going to see a lot of innovation going on in space from these countries so I think it's worth a, a look just to, to better understand these very different ecosystems and these different Asian space economies. And again, China being a very big part of that. And, and we're, we're always happy to, to contribute um, to such such reports. Um, a couple of, of sort of highlights that I think are, are worth mentioning. Um, so eye-catching was the fact that uh, in Europe, apparently, and this I, I'm not an expert on the European space industry, so I take SB at their word on these funding numbers, and I, I make no no promises that, that the funding numbers are, are accurate, although I have no reason to believe they're not accurate. Um, digressing, uh, top line uh, funding in Europe for, for commercial space companies, uh, from 2019 to 2020, it apparently increased from about 200 million euros to about 500 million euros, so like two and a half times increase, um, which is particularly impressive given that 2020 was a pandemic year. Um, So that was pretty surprising. And I mean, I guess it it broadly, I mean, it sounds about right. I know ISAR Aerospace had a very big round of funding in the later part of the year. I think it was like 70 million euros. So that alone is is a big part of that. Um, But anyway, about 500 million euros in uh, in commercial space funding in Europe. Um, The other thing I think it's worth noting about that number is that it is roughly equal to uh, Chinese space industry funding in 2020. It's actually a little bit less, but, but same order of magnitude. So um, as we saw in the report, in the Chinese space industry, uh, 2020 saw about 4.5 billion RMB. So that would be about uh, perhaps 550, 600 million euros of of funding. Um, So again, first takeaway is that um, if we look at at the European space industry, it's growing very fast, two and a half times uh, in terms of total funding over these last uh, two years. Um, and it's roughly you know equal to China in terms of, of funding in, say, 2020 in, for commercial space companies, which is not to say it's equal to, to China or, or that China is equal to Europe in, in space industry terms more generally. Um, the second big takeaway from the report, I think, is the the differences between different countries' new space ecosystems um, and how this kind of reflects the differences between the broader economies. So the, the one really particular example, and this is kind of cherry picking to some extent, I, I acknowledge that, but I think there's some uh, truth to this, is if we look, there's a chart uh, in the Japanese uh, space industry section that shows, um, fundraising for space companies globally and fundraising for space companies in Japan over a different time series. So the global one is from 2020 to 2017. The Japanese one is 2014 to 2020. So it is imperfect, but still these are fairly long time periods. And the the big takeaway is that globally, most space companies are funded by like VC venture capitalists or angel investors, like 70% of the funding is coming from these two types of companies. And in Japan, uh, Almost half comes from corporations, uh, which corporations globally are about less than 20%. And in Japan, their angel investors are not not existent And so um, this is probably due to a couple of things. So, so Japan has a history of quite strong corporations, so the Zaibatsu, so you have companies like Mitsubishi Heavy Industries or, or these very large trading companies. Um, they control a relatively large percentage of the economy, and they, they're quite um, strong in, in their industries, and, and they have a lot of, of capital. Um, so I think that, that these companies are, are doing a lot of the, the funding of, of Japanese commercial space companies. And one example that comes to mind is Axel Space, which is one of the leading Japanese uh, commercial earth observation companies. Um, they have a, a sort of partnership of sorts with, with Mitsui Sumitomo, I believe, it, or Mits, some Mitsui, uh, w- one of the Mitsui family of companies, the, the large uh, Zaibatsu Mitsui, uh, which is a trading company. Um, and, and Mitsui had, had given... Axel space some land in Nihonbashi to build a headquarters. On this land, they had helped them to to find some some different um, uses for their Earth observation data in some of the Mitsui Corporation's diverse set of businesses. So again, I, I think um, the, the takeaway here is that different countries, space industries are going to develop in very different ways based on the way that their economies are are structured. And so again, if we look at Japan specifically, we have a handful of very, very large companies that are going to probably have a a pretty big influence on the way that the commercial space sector evolves. This is probably going to be fairly similar in South Korea where we have the Chebol and we we have in the report, they mention several of the usual South Korean suspects. You have Hanwha mentioned also, um, What is the other one? Uh, Doan and LIG Group, which is a Korean defense conglomerate. So we have these big Korean companies, um, and and again, I think we're going to then see these companies have a pretty big influence on the way that the commercial space industry develops in these countries. And I think that's different from say the U.S., where the the sort of commercial companies have a little bit more freedom and have a little bit more ability to raise from capital markets that are perhaps independent of the existing space industry. Um, and, and just one last, I guess, point um, about these couple of countries that have the, these very large companies getting involved. Um, we had mentioned in the Dongfang Hour um, China Aerospace News Roundup, episode 14, uh, from 28th of December to 3rd January that, that week, um, about Hanhua's investment into Kymeta, which is a flat panel antenna manufacturer. Um, and again, Hanhua being mentioned in this SB report as one of the leading. Um, sort of large corporations in South Korea that is now getting involved in, in the space sector. Um, so one very, very last point from my side on this SB report, and then I will finally turn it over to Jean. Um, It's great to see profiles of some of the less publicized space industries in Asia. So there was a chapter about Malaysia, a chapter about Thailand, um, two countries that have historically had a lot of activity in the, in the SATCOM sector. So Malaysia has MiASAT, it's the national satellite operator, and um, Thailand with TICOM. Um, but that have also been trying to diversify their space activities and increase their space activities. So good to see. um, Overall, a lot of good profiles. Very, very good report. I expect in the future to see countries like Singapore, Australia, Philippines being included in in these reports because they all have a lot of of, uh, impetus in space now. But um, yeah, overall, really good uh, report. Jean, anything to add from your side? Um, well,
1: that was a very good sum up, I think, of why, why our listeners and viewers should give the, the report a read if, if they have some time. Definitely, I think that um, you don't find that much information or that at least that many papers that are focused on this, perhaps less visible countries uh, around the world um, in, in, in the space industry. So as you mentioned, um, you know, Thailand, even Chinese space, you don't have that many reports that are focused on Chinese space. And, um, and what you have here in the SB report is all these chapters on these different countries in Asia that are, that are put together in one report. So definitely if space in Asia is your thing, uh, have a read of that report. Um, now, I, I don't have that much to add. Um, maybe moving on to, to our next point this week, um, and, and to conclude the Dongfang Hour, um, as, as all of you know, and as Blaine, you mentioned it, it's the first week of the year of the Ox. So most Chinese people today are away um, and from work and they are with their family spending Chinese New Year. So traditionally, this is quite a slow week in terms of space news. And also next week will probably still remain slow, although, you know, Chinese space can definitely surprise us. Um, but there are still some nice newsworthy um, elements that we can mention this week that's linked also to Chinese New Year's. First of all, we have a lot of Chinese space companies that send out the traditional um, Chinese New Year artwork. And it's always interesting to see how they try to uh, link topics linked to space and also Chinese New Year's. So this year, linking rockets and perhaps an ox uh, in the background of the artwork. So I'll I'll put a few up um, on, on YouTube for you, too. To realize what I'm what I'm talking about, and second piece of news here that's perhaps uh, the more interesting one is about the New Year Gala, the Chinese New Year Gala, and this is something that we have uh, every year in China. It's this massive, massive show um, where you have performances, you have songs, you have plays, you have you know you have speeches, you have all these things put together during the gala that probably lasts over two or three hours. And, and in terms of audience, I would probably compare it um, to the Super Bowl in in the U.S., although it's very different topics. But I feel that literally every household in China is watching it during Chinese New Year, or at least has the TV on, even though they're doing something else. Um, and what is interesting this year for the New Year Gala is we had three minutes that were specifically dedicated to space. So the presentator, he inv- invited on stage four of the chief designers of the very large Chinese space programs. And just to give a few names here, we had Yang Mengfei of the Chang'e 5 program. We had Zhang Bai who's the chief designer of the crewed spacecraft program. We had Xie Jun of the Beidou program. And we also had Sun Zhou of the One program. And so we actually even had, I think, Chang'e 5, the return capsule, in the background of the stage. So definitely a lot of effort that was put into those three minutes. And what these, different, these four chief designers were doing was... Um, bringing good news to the Chinese people through the, um, th- through the gala. So for, just to give a few examples. So Yang Mengfei, he announced, as we all know, that the lunar samples were successfully returned, uh, on Earth. We had, uh, Zhang Bainan announced that the next generation, um, crewed spacecraft would have even, um, would be even safer than the current generation, uh, spacecraft, the Shenzhou. We had Xie Jun of the Beidou program announced that, um, well, the Beidou program was now a hundred percent Designed and manufactured in China. And we had Sun Zhaozhou 1411, who announced that the spacecraft had successfully inserted, as you know, into Martian orbit a couple of days ago. And so, um, so that's the good news. Um, and when you, when you look at this and you take a step back, you realize how, um, first of all, how big the Chinese space program has, has become because all those things, all that, all all the, all, all that good news, all those programs that I just mentioned were things that were completed in the last. Twelve months. Um, so just realize how much is going on, and the second point maybe is looking at how the staging, how the music is is done, what the what what the different presentators the are saying. You realize also how how the Chinese and how China is extremely proud of their space program and how it symbolizes somewhat somehow the rejuvenation of China from a technological point of view. And and so I think it's it's definitely a very interesting three minutes to look from multiple perspectives and and just before i hand it over to blaine maybe we'll put on a short extract of um of that those three um, minutes on chinese space just to give you a grasp of what we're talking about 我们请来了几位特殊的嘉宾来到春晚的现场和大家一起过年，而且他们还为我们带来了一位特别的战友，让我们掌声欢迎他们。我是天文一号火星探测器系统总设计师孙哲舟 始终是中國航天成功的密碼,我們相信,走出地球搖籃半個多世紀的中國航天,必將承著夢想的磅範,向著新陳大海的更深處不斷的進發。Yeah,
0: and to let you hear the uh, the house for yourself. Yeah, it's um it it's it's an interesting 3 minutes and and so I mean a couple of takeaways um from my side. So so definitely um China, is. it seems space is being kind of elevated to a more, um, let's say, more politically important or more kind of um, nationalistically important, let's say, topic in China. But I think it's being done so in an extremely traditional way. Um, So one takeaway, obviously, was that the the presenter of of the gala, you know, he has a very nice New Year's tuxedo on, and then all four of the people uh, from the Chinese space program are wearing their matching uh, cask Blue kind of overalls with the Chinese flag, and they all look as though they've just come from from Mission Control. And I mean, basically, it, it looks very um, humble is not the right word, but you know, very dutiful. It looks like these guys are basically just they're just on on duty constantly, and they're just ready to um, to serve their country in whatever way they need to do. And 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 basically using a lot of of pretty expected phrases that are you know kind of um, traditional. I mean, again, this is. You've had um, a lot of, of well, I mean, yeah. It, it's just it's it's noteworthy, I think, that all four of the, the representatives from the space program were, were wearing the, the traditional blue overalls of cask. and uh, and yeah, as we as we saw at the very end of the presentation, when the, the presenter was, was kind of bidding them farewell, he he gave the um, the kind of expected end of the oh yeah, uh Sinhula, Dajja Sinhula, Guinea man, was Guinea man so basically saying oh yeah like so oh you've, you've all worked so hard you know um and and it, it it's kind of a I don't know if that really captures you know this kind of this this saying of of um I don't know it, it's like it's like mm. wow you've really you've worked so hard for your country and for your people for the people it, and it was really just very kind of patriotic in, in that way um it will be really uh you know it'll be interesting to see whether in a couple of years time we start to see, some commercial space companies on, on the on the New Year's mm. Gala, but I think for the meantime it was a very traditional, a very a very traditional uh, coming out party for for the space industry mm. in um in the in the general mindset of, of the Chinese people. So so really a a cool cool few minutes. Um, definitely some some very good news from a lot of these different industry uh, different programs. And as you said, John, a comment on on how large and how diverse the Chinese space industry and the Chinese space program has become. Um, but yeah, certainly certainly very traditional. Um. So yeah, if, um, unless you have anything else from your side, John, or are we about about good for the week? All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Dongfang Hour China Aerospace and Space News Roundup. This for the week of the 8th to 14th of February, 2021. I'm Blaine Curcio, joined as always by my co-host, John DeVille. And uh, thank you very much for watching or listening. See you next time. And happy new year. Thanks for watching. Happy new year. Bye.